are in a series called Satisfaction. As, as I've said before, when uh, the Rolling Stones created that song in the 70s, they were at the, really the top of the world. People would think like, man, you have everything. Why on earth would you create a song like that where you are ask, uh, saying, I can't get no satisfaction. It looks like you should have all the satisfaction in the world. And that song is just as true today as it was in the 70s, as it was 3,000 years ago when Solomon wrote a book could have just very easily been called satisfaction as it is Ecclesiastes. And it is about Solomon looking back on his life and looking back on all that he observed in the world as the wisest man on the face of the earth at that time, or maybe whoever lived besides, of course, Jesus, and, and looking and saying everything that we chase after that we believe brings satisfaction will actually just simply be vanity and meaningless in chasing after the wind. If you want to catch up on all of our uh, previous episodes, you can download our app on Google Play or uh, iTunes and uh, catch up there. Uh, today is going to be the vanity of money. And uh, we're taking a look at money. If you're new to us this morning, we're going to look at money, not just giving. All right? Right? The pastor talking about giving, and that's the, you know, the worst time to show up you know, brand new at a church. We're going to talk about the vanity of money, uh, not, not just giving. And actually, money is so prevalent in our life, right? <laughs> like, it makes the world go round. Like, literally, we do not have a barter system anymore. That is our barter piece, is money. And, and so... Where does money fit into our life? But the very first thing that we're going to get out of the way is this. The love of money equals harm to life. The love of money equals the harm to life. New Testament, a guy by the name of Paul says it this way. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, we have deleted a couple of words in our culture. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. We'll say it that way. Well, that's not true. Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We'll also erase the all kinds of in there. The love of money is evil. Uh, well, that's not what he says. It's the root. It's the root. We'll also say money is evil, right? That's not true either. We like money. We enjoy money. It's not evil. And so where is that proper place that money has in our life, right? Because if you look back, especially, you know, those of us that are a bit older, but college students, teenagers as well, you know, you spend money. In fact, you have more disposable money than us adults do because we've loved money and so therefore we've harmed life, right? If you look back in your history, probably one of the greatest harms that you've ever had to your life centered around what you've done with money. Quite possibly. I know that's true for us. My wife and myself. Some of the greatest harms that we've had in our life have to do with money. Some of which that we've been in the process, 10-year process of getting out of. Harms life. Right? And I capitalize life on the screen because it doesn't just harm our physical life, but it harms the Zoe life, the spiritual life that we have as well. And so Ecclesiastes, Solomon, 3,000 years ago, tells us about this. Tells us about four ways we harm life 
with money. However, let, let's, let's real quick introduce the three reasons God gives us money. One, one, He gives us money to give, to give away. Two, He gives us money to, to uh, save, to save. Three, God gives us money to enjoy. Like maybe you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's supposed to be spin there. Well, we'll get, we'll, get to, we'll get to that, but enjoy. Give, save, and enjoy. Now, this is a tension to manage, a three-way tension to manage. Every one of these three will pull at us. And in fact, you've probably experienced this. Every time you give, what do you think? I could be saving or spending this, right? Every time you save, you think, I could give or I could spend. Every time you spend, you think, I could give or I could save, right? This is a tension to manage, not a problem to master. Because if we try to master this problem, we will actually end up like one of these four people harming life. So Solomon gives us four different types of people who harm their life through money. Chances are very good that all of us will fall in one of these four, if not two, if not four. All right? You with me, PA? All right. Ecclesiastes 5.10. We'll throw the scriptures up on the screen. As always, you can follow along in the Bible app as well. We put an event in there. And then uh, we're going to be straight through Ecclesiastes 5.10 through the first part of chapter 6 if you're following along in your Bible. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. You know, I ever, ever, ever hear of those lottery stories or, you know, the NBA players and the NFL players, you know, all of a sudden they got a bunch of groupies, you know. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Now, Solomon might have been the wealthiest person that ever lived on the face of the earth. So he knows this better than anybody else. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. Yet, the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. How do we harm life with money? Number one, lover of money. He's talking about the lover of money. If you just love money, and this person can best be described as simply greedy. In our matrix, in our, in our three ways that God gives, this person is the 100% enjoyer. Every dollar that I bring in is simply for my enjoyment, and I am going to spend it for my enjoyment. Now, in America, we don't spend every dollar we earn. We spend a dollar and a quarter for every dollar we earn. What do you call that? A problem, right? A problem, a greed problem. Because we're spending money we don't even have to enjoy stuff. We don't have money to spend. It's a greed problem. I fell under this when we racked up debt, especially unsecured debt. Car loan debt, just because I wanted that shiny new car. What was it? Greedy. Greedy. I love money. I love the things that money could give. Greedy. Second person, Ecclesiastes 13, there's another serious problem. Or 5.13, I have seen under the sun 
Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave the world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Thank you, Solomon, for letting me feel good about coming to church this morning. Right? Like, woo! You know, you appeared naked, you popped out naked, you're going to the grave naked. I guess I'm glad that we put suits on now and dresses before, you know, we put them in the casket. And... But that's true, right? And so this person, this person is the lover of financial risk. The lover of financial risk, and this is stupidity. See, what Solomon is getting at is this. This person actually has the wherewithal to save, but yet in our vernacular, they've got, a, they've got money burning a hole in their pocket, right? They've got money burning a hole in their pocket, so they've got to do something with it. So therefore, what happens is this. What happens is this. They have a, they've saved a little bit, Somebody comes along and says, you've got to invest in this deal with me. And so you put all of your life savings into this shady deal to find out your buddy's been drunk every minute of his life. What's the problem? Not that you don't know how to save, but once you save, you simply can't burn. You just burn up your money. The lover of financial risk. Or your buddy comes to, to you and says, you need to put everything you own down on the Dallas Cowboys. They've got this and this and this this year. It's, it's going to be great. You put it all in on the Dallas Cowboys and they go eight and eight, just like last year. And the year before that and the year before that. And yeah, yeah. Jack's with me. Jack's with me. Lover of financial risk. Solomon talks about. Third type of person, 518. Now this, this is written in the positive, so we'll read the positive and then get to the negative and then actually come back to the positive later. Even so, I've noticed one thing, at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health, and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they have no time to brood over the past. This is the person who is the lover of work for financial gain. Or in other words, the grumpy person. The person at your work that talks about how much they hate work and hate their bosses and, and, and hate everything around their work. You know these people. And if you don't, that means you are that person. And everybody else knows you are that person. But you're like, hold on a second. Lover of work for financial gain, we work to get money. Mm -mm. It's not the God-given reason for work. If you want to know that God-given reason, reason, go back to the podcast, listen to the, the, the Vanity of Work sermon from last week. But two reasons God gives us work. Purpose and talents. Purpose and to use our talents. But the person who goes to work because they get a paycheck, they're going to be grumpy all the time about work. The fourth type of person, Ecclesiastes 6, 1 through 6. 
There's another serious tragedy I've seen under the sun, and it weighs heavily on humanity. God gives some people great wealth and honor and everything they could ever want, but then He doesn't give them the chance to enjoy these things. They die, and someone else, even a stranger, ends up enjoying their wealth. This is meaningless, a sickening tragedy. A man might have a hundred children and live to be very old, but if he finds no satisfaction in life and doesn't even get a decent burial, it would have been better for him to be born dead. Cheery, right? Like, glad I came to church this morning to hear that. Woo, thank you. His birth will have been meaningless and would have ended in darkness. He wouldn't even have had a name and he would never have seen the sun or known of his existence. Yet he would have had more peace than growing up to be an unhappy man. Wow, Solomon is a great lifter-upper here this morning. He might live a thousand years twice over but still not find contentment and since he must die like everyone else, well, what is the use? This is the person who loves to save. Catch that at the very beginning? He saves everything he has. Everything he has. He saves it. Then he dies. Then he, what, what does he do? He has to give it away. To his kids or even a stranger. Lover of saving. Hoarder. This is the hoarder. In our culture, we know this as Ebenezer Scrooge. Save everything. Don't give it away. Don't enjoy it. Save everything you have. You're going to be a hoarder. You're going to, you're going to be Ebenezer Scrooge. But is there hope? Of course there is. You're in church, right? There's hope. There's hope. You're, you're, you're here. You're, you're hoping we don't end with, <laughs> we don't end with, something's just like, everybody's going to die. What's the use? There is. There's, not, there's a way to defeat every single one of these people. If you see this person in the mirror. See, we see these people in the window. Right? Out our window. We see these people out there. And so now in our minds, we're thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here. But we can't see them in the mirror. <laughs> Paul, you weren't supposed to laugh there. Your wife's not here, all right? <laughs> Can we see this person in the mirror? And can we defeat this person if we see them in the mirror? Well, we defeat, we defeat the first type of person. We defeat the, the greedy person with generosity thinking. For those of you familiar with the Bible, this is the rich young ruler. When Jesus, when Jesus had the rich young ruler come to him, hey, how do I get eternal life? Jesus said, ah, you know, don't murder, don't, don't commit adultery, you know, normal stuff. You're just, Great, I've done all that. She's like, ah, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's one thing I forgot. One thing I forgot. Hey, go sell everything and give it to the poor. This is an odd story. But maybe through the lens of this, maybe through the lens of this, maybe this story will make a little bit more sense. What is this guy? He's a greedy person, right? Everything he gets. He's a rich man. Everything he gets is for himself. And what Jesus is doing, he's going after this guy's God. You want to defeat that greed in your life? Be generous. Give it, be radically generous. You have radical greed, be radically generous. Sell it all and give it all away. What'd that guy do? Whoop! Turn right around, walked away. You want to defeat greed in your life? 
Be generous. Develop a generous heart. But without Jesus, we truly can't develop that heart, right? Second of all, we defeat stupid. We defeat that, that lover of financial risk with generational thinking. Solomon said this right there in the, in the passage we, we heard. You save some, you put it into a risky investment, then what? You don't have anything to pass on to your children. Before you put all your life savings down on the cowboys, ask yourself, is it better to do this or give some to my children? Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> right? That'll help us defeat putting or betting the farm on a bad financial risk. Because if we're thinking about that next generation, probably not going to do that. Third, we defeat grumpy with enjoyment thinking. We defeat grumpy with enjoyment thinking. Now, now the next two is bo are both enjoyment thinking. This one is enjoyment and job. And again, if you want more on that, go back to last week's sermon. But basically, enjoyment and job to be able to say, I have purpose and I use my talents in my job. I enjoy my job. My job is not a job. I am going to my job in order to solve a serious problem in this world with my purpose and with my talent. And fourth of all, we defeat uh, hoarding with enjoyment thinking. Now, not enjoyment in your job thinking, but enjoyment with money thinking. That God's given us money in order to enjoy. If you're a hoarder, if you, if you pinch every single penny to the detriment of everybody else around you, go buy something. Go buy something. You may not want to use that with your wife, bro. Like that's because, you know, you probably heard this, right? There's spenders and there's savers, and usually they marry each other, right? Which is God's blessing to each other, right? I'll let you guys figure out who's the spender and saver in our household, but probably won't take you long. We can defeat each one of these. And God's given us the ability to defeat every one of these. We just have to find that person in the mirror and decide we're going to defeat that person we see in the mirror. See, again, God gives us money for three reasons. Give, save, enjoy. And he's given us the, our money for these three reasons in order to be a lover of loving life. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about. How can we live life to the fullest, or love life to its fullest? And we can do that with money as well. God gives us money in order to enjoy life. We have this very skewed, whacked out thought about money that we all want to be rich, but we hate the rich. <laughs> That's weird, right? We all want to be that, but we all hate the rich if we're not. It's weird. God's given us money in order to enjoy. And these three are attention in order to manage 
not a problem in order to solve or to master. God's given us a formula for giving, right? Those of you that are Christians, followers of Jesus, give 10% to the community in which you belong. That's from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now you can debate, did Jesus do away with the 10%, blah, blah, blah. But you notice the brilliance in 10%? It's just enough for us to feel it, right? How we do our tithe is that because of referee income is so sporadic, every year we just kind of put in what we're going to give every week into, uh, into our, our online financial program and let it just go. That way we're not forgetting and et cetera. But when I put that in at the beginning of the year and it, and it goes up from one year to the next, you're like, man, I could be doing something with that money, right? Like it's enough to feel it. 10% is enough to feel it, but not so much that it's everything. There's still 90%, right? And what's God doing for us in that 10%? He's defeating greed for us. And he gives us that for our own benefit so that we're defeating greed in our own life. Save. Now, there's no, biblical, there's no biblical magic number for saving. Now, the, the Proverbs teaches us to save, the wisdom in saving. But there's no magic number in that. You know, for us, ultimately, the goal that we're working towards is give 10, save 20. And enjoy 70. But every family has to figure out the goal that they're kind of reaching for in order to save for that rainy day. As Dave Ramsey says, when you save, you kick Murphy out. Murphy's Law? You kick Murphy out. There's nothing that can, there's nothing that can, that, 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 that can defeat you then financially. And save for the generations to come. Save for retirement. If you actually want to stop working, like, you know, nine to five someday. Save. And then enjoy. Like, ah, I have to pay my mortgage or my rent every month. I mean, what do you mean enjoy? Do you enjoy living in a house? The roof over your head? Do you enjoy that? So write that check with enjoyment. But the electric bill, do you enjoy lights in your house? Do you? Anybody here enjoy modern electricity? Turning on a computer? Anybody? Like, do you enjoy that? So write that check with enjoyment. Water? Enjoy, anybody enjoy running water? Those of you that, that enjoyed an outhouse probably enjoy your running water, right? So write that check with enjoyment. Food? Brothers got to eat, right? Sisters, you eat every once in a while too. Spend that money with enjoyment. And you know what? We found out that we enjoy our money better in two, two things. When we budget, we know where it's going. Two, when we don't have debt, that's not an enjoyment payment, Right? That's not an enjoyment, especially unsecured debt. That's not enjoyment. You're like, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm getting for this check. I've already gotten it, but I don't know what I'm getting for it. 
It's, it's hard to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life. Jesus told us to follow Him means we receive abundant life. And the wisdom of God throughout Scripture is this. He wants us to enjoy the resources He gives us. And so we enjoy our resources that He gives us when we hold these three in tension with each other. Give, save, enjoy. So as the band comes and plays and we have a time of reflection, you know, are you seeing one of those four in the mirror? I mean, we all have one of these four. You know, we're greedy or we're a hoarder or, you know, we're, we're stupid with our money or um, grumpy or maybe we're just a greedy, stupid, grumpy hoarder. I, I don't know, but... When, during this time of reflection, when we look in the mirror, which one do you have a tendency towards? And pray, asking God, man, help me defeat this. Your wisdom, your wisdom is wise. The capital W, wise. Help me defeat this. And use this time of reflection to wrestle with God and let Him change your life, your perspective, towards money, so that ultimately you can love the life He has for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, Lord, I thank you for this time, and I just pray that you will help us with our money. You've given us all resources. Help us be wise with this so that we can enjoy the life and love the life that you've given us. Help us to see this person in the mirror and continue to ask ourselves questions and ask you questions based on this. Let us be powerful with our money. Not in a way that this world finds powerful, but in a way that you find powerful. For the end is your kingdom. It's your name I pray. Amen.